Hello and welcome everybody to Sailor Snacking. It's the podcast where we talk about the 1992 Sailor Moon and review a fun snack. My name is Jen and I'm here today as always with Tracy. Hello. <laughs> and today we are going to be reviewing episodes five and six of Sailor Moon, uh, both of which were cut from the North American dub, so this should be fun. Uh, Tracy, do you want to introduce our snack for today? Yeah, so today we are going to be eating green tea cakes, um, and the specific one that we purchased from the store are a Taiwanese brand, so they look delicious. I've never had them before, and I don't know what they look like yet because they're still in the package. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just judging from the picture on the box. <laughs> and our special guest today is Michelle. Hi. <laughs> so... Michelle, why don't we start with uh, your history with Sailor Moon and, how, you oh. know, how did you get into the show and what do you like about it, that stuff? Oh, I, so I got into the show in my teens. A friend of mine loves to watch the show and we started watching it together. And so now it's just one of the things that I remember being a teenager, hanging out with my closest friends back then. And it's just, I haven't, I haven't watched the actual series until now, until close to 20 years. That's not true. I watched... Well, my friend and I had a brief marathon a few years ago with a couple episodes, but we we did, we did the end of season one. So I haven't seen the first episodes in close to 20 years. Oh, you just skipped I, straight to the good episodes. I watched Sailor Moon. <laughs> we only had one day to hang out together. Fair enough. So I watched Sailor Moon Crystal the first two seasons. Uh, the summer, I believe it was the summer I was on bed rest because I had nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah, why not? So I believe I believe it was I believe it was I believe it was right after they came out. I watched the first two seasons because it was when my daughter was born and I had and I couldn't leave my and I couldn't leave the bed. So, yeah, that sounds like a good time to watch it to me. <laughs> my daughter, by the way, even in Japanese, my daughter loved Sailor Moon. She was so into watching it with me. So we, I think we're gonna have to go watch it in English for her. Aww, <laughs> that's awesome. I love that it's passed down to the next generation. Uh, she was so into it. She, even, even if she couldn't understand a word they were saying, she was so into it. <laughs> yeah, I want to get my niece into it, but she's not a big TV person. So, uh, meh, we'll see. Maybe I'll still be able to entice her into watching an episode. It's just so fun and glittery and full of color that it, it is really appealing, I think, to younger children, even if they don't know what's happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so did you have a favorite scout when you were younger or now, Michelle? Uh, I've always liked both Sailor Moon and Sailor Venus. Yeah, they're good. Those are always my favorites. I always like, I have, I, I'm a bit of a ditzy klutz, so I always kind of identified a lot with Isagi. <laughs> You've been hearing that a lot. <laughs> I went there lazy, super klutzy and a little ditzy, so... So you're, you're our third guest on the show and the third person who's said they like Sailor Moon for almost the same reason. That's funny. <laughs> Apparently, uh, it's funny. But she, I think that's what made her so popular. I think she's a character you can really relate to. I think so, too, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't really think that I was very ditzy or klutzy, so I don't relate to her in that way, but I definitely relate to her um, sense of friendship. And she's and, kind. Yeah, and her kindness. <laughs> and Tracy's like, I'm Sailor Mars, I have no idea. I like I Mina, and I like Mina a lot more. Or, or, I like Sailor Mina, Mina even more watching Chris, watching Sailor Moon Crystal. You really see the kind of struggle she goes through. Yeah, I haven't watched... I watched a couple episodes of Crystal. I haven't watched very much of it. Um, they emphasize more on the fact that she was the leader. And that yeah. you know, now she's not. And it's... It's a very it's very interesting. I liked her. I liked her even more because of that because she basically has to step back. Yeah, and I think that that doesn't really come that came across in the manga because Crystal is way more focused on the the manga storyline. But in which this, I, and I read the whole manga in high school. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it, in this one, in the 1992 one, Mina doesn't really have a personality until later on. Like she's just kind of there. She's, like, not even in the show until, like, later on. Like, she's mm-hmm. the last one to join the group. She, yeah. She's the least defined in the American version, in the, uh, in the 1992 version. She's the least defined of the women. For yeah. sure. And the most, she's, just kind of a, she's just kind of a copy of Usagi in a lot of ways. 
Yes yeah. and no. I mean, like, we see a lot of her, but not, like, her true self. Like, we'll yeah. see she's idolized um, by a lot of people. She has her own video game. She's, like, really popular, but we don't... And we see her in almost every episode. Um, but we don't actually see her, herself, right? Her personality and who she truly is. Yeah. But all of that Sailor V stuff kind of disappears once Venus shows up. Yeah, it's almost like it's because she's not a fantasy character anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna have some interesting conversation, I think, when she pops up. Yes. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to do like a comparison of what we've been watching in this classic Sailor Moon to what is done in Crystal. Yeah, I'm gonna need to rewatch or to watch those episodes. All right, all right. So let's. Dive into episode five. Yeah. So episode, like I said, uh, episode five and six were not aired uh, in the North America version. So it wasn't dubbed by Deke. Um, So they first were broadcast in Japan in 1992. Uh, The first one we're going to watch is Scent of a Monster. Shanella will steal your soul. So it will steal your love. Also steals your soul. But that's. uh... (laughs) Yeah. They don't really get into that too much. And then the next one we're going to watch, episode six, is Protect the Melody of Love, Usagi Plays Cupid. Uh, so, yeah, let's start with the Chanel Will Steal Your Love. Um, what did you guys think of this? Michelle? I was surprised by because how many episodes there are with her solo. Because I've seen yeah. the dub version, right, where they just kind of go straight into the scouts. So that was interesting. And you get to see her and Luna kind of bond and grow war. Yeah, definitely you get more of that. When does Amy show up? Amy's coming in on... I think like episode eight. Yeah, so next next week when we air, when we do our next episode, yeah, it'll be Amy. Well, that's so still a decent amount of episodes of her on her own. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think we miss out on a lot of her development in the North American release because... A lot happens in these two episodes, and they just completely cut them. At least I think that's a lot. Like, in this episode, Usagi asks her parents if she can keep Luna, which I think is really important to the show. Yeah, they never really explain how Luna becomes part of the family in North America. It it just is like, she's there. Exactly. Whereas, like, for me, I was like, can I have a secret pet? Like, maybe, like... (laughs) A secret bunny rabbit with a crescent moon that my parents don't know about. It, it kind of made you think about Usagi's parents. Like, how smart are they to <laughs> suddenly be like, oh, hey, have we always had this cat? Oh, well. And like, I mean, later even, on where Chibiusa shows up and they're like, have we always had another child? Oh, well. <laughs> right. It's kind of strange. And I think that they explain it a lot better in the Japanese version. I, I really love that they're at that they're having breakfast again. Um, they're having that family conversation. And Usagi's like, can we keep Luna? And uh, Shingo's like, no way. And the parents are like, okay, we'll let you solve this problem on your own. Mm-hmm. Which is, um, I don't know, part of me thought was a little crazy. And then part of me also thought like, well, that's an interesting way to parent. Because then... You're having them go through that conflict resolution on their own. So as a parent, Michelle. <laughs> My household always involves somebody getting hit. <laughs> and not, kind of, not physically, not necessarily physically, but it would just, it would, chaos would ensue if I allowed that. And chaos <laughs> did ensue in this episode. Exactly. Chaos. There's no way as a parent I would let... I mean, we're getting a cat, but this is very much a family decision. <laughs> I would not be so thrilled if my children just brought one home. <laughs> I was actually watching the episode as a parent and going, were they always such terrible parents? <laughs> so disinterested. Yeah, they don't really have fully formed personalities. Uh, like, I mean, we talked in the last episode uh, about how um, Usagi comes from a a more or less stable family environment, which kind of helps give her that grounding to be, to give her love and friendship to everybody else. But yeah, they're not exactly attentive parents. No, I think that 
that allows her to become Sailor Moon, though, right? Because if they were more attentive, they might notice that their daughter is missing in the middle of the night, you know, <laughs> fighting for love and justice. I also feel like I should clarify with my hit comment that I would, you know, that my children would be beating each other over the uh, <laughs> sort of similar to uh, Shingo and uh, Yusagi did not that I would. Uh... <laughs> yeah, you're not hating your children. <laughs> no, definitely not. But my my two boys would hate. We would, would probably get into a fist fight if that kind of decision was uh, left to them. Yeah. Um. I liked that this episode also kind of gave Shingo a little bit more of a personality because so far all we know about Usagi's brother is that he's a bit of a jerk. <laughs> yes. And I also love that when he's like, I'm terrified of cats. The first thing Usagi does is pick up Luna and shove her in his face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like that's real, like, sibling. That's how real siblings deal with each other, right? Yeah. That's very realistic. <laughs> um, but it's also really interesting to see how much she, Usagi cares about Shingo in this episode, right? So, like... Yeah. She notices that there's something really, really off about him when he picks up the Chanella and he um, is not the same person. And so she uses that as her like, like her sailor radar to go look for what the problem is. Yeah. And her refusal to hurt him. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so we see the Tiara do something different in this episode, which I've never, I don't think she does that in any other episode. Where it does like a little sprinkling of moon dust rather than destroying the enemy. I noticed that too. And I noticed that Luna was walking her through it. And again, this is something that got cut. You know, Luna, this episode was neat because there was no testing of mask. It was just Luna and Sailor Moon working together. Yeah. And I like that she was like, save me, Tuxedo Mask. Oh, well, I guess he's not coming. Yeah. She <laughs> kind of like, you like... do it on your own. I liked that a lot. Yeah. And. You know, we miss that in the North American release. Like, she saves herself. I mean, with help with Luna, but she doesn't get saved by Tuxedo Mask. So, that's kind of sad. We miss that. Yeah. So, why do you think this episode was cut? (laughs) I have no idea why. It feels, like, so important to the series. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's the scene where uh, Shingo kicks Luna. But, I mean, that could have easily been edited. Yeah, I guess, like, the animal cruelty portion of it. Yeah. No, I don't know why. I can't think of a, a good reason why. Except for, yeah, the that treatment of Luna and also the treatment of the pets. Yeah, um, and when when uh, Usagi gets taken over by the Chanella, how she kind of is mean to Luna. Yeah. Speaking of that scene, I don't, we jump around a lot. So... <laughs> Did Luna take the Chanella out of Usagi's hands, jump over the fence into the bushes, and then snap its neck? <laughs> That's what I assume happened. That's I what it looks it. like. Yeah. <laughs> or do what cats do with it, like batted it to uh, death. Yeah, I assume she killed it. Yeah. I mean, well, isn't that what cats do? So. Yeah, that's totally what cats do. <laughs> and honestly, that might be the reason why this episode didn't air. Which is so strange, because... Some other episodes aired, like when we were talking about in the last episode, where there were, like, so many, like, red flags with body image issues, and they still showed show that in North America. But we can't have a cat doing what cats do in this episode. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm really not sure why. It might just be, like you said, the attitude that first Shingo and then when Usagi gets taken under the spell has against Luna. But I don't know. I think they also wanted to condense the amount of solo episodes. I think they wanted to move it along. Yeah. Because I believe in the American series, we meet Amy in, like, episode three. Yeah. And then it's like, now you can buy a Sailor Mercury doll. That's true. Yeah, we get Amy and Sailor in episode five in North America. But, yeah. Okay. It's very so I knew it was fast. It, was a lot, I felt, it felt a lot faster. Yeah. But, like, I mean, but then you, like you said, we miss out on all of this development of Usagi's relationship with her family um and later on when Usagi is Sailor Moon saves Shingo and he sees her as Sailor Moon that's the first part of uh him forgetting about Sailor V and starting to really worship Sailor Moon as his hero which comes up in later episodes yes and but she uses that worship to get him to like Luna I know I love that I know I did it was (laughs) a perfect sibling manipulation like oh yeah for sure 
I'm going to use this to my advantage. Actually, the uh, the the, the opening credits. I I'm not used to seeing it with only the three Sailor Scouts. Yeah. And Tuxedo Mask is so creepy. He is really creepy in the introduction. Yeah. The credits so creepy. But he is a little creepy. (laughs) A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Like he's like this older guy who's just like hanging around with these younger teenage girls throwing roses their way I don't know yeah they don't really explain his motivation until much 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 later and I don't even remember I don't remember how clearly they do it in the 1992 one or if I'm thinking of the manga but like it it doesn't it makes it sort of less creepy but not really (laughs) I don't remember thinking it was creepy you know, when I was younger, but definitely like what like watching it now, I'm just like he's kind of we like it's just weird that he's there and just kind of looming over and like with his like fortune cookie sayings. Yeah, I didn't find him at all creepy back then, but now and I also I don't know, I think it also might be the fact that I didn't notice that, but she looks so young. Yeah. yeah, well, she's 14, right? I know, but she just looks so, she looks so young. I mean, when I was 16, it, it, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. Now she just looks like a little, she looks like a child to me. Because she is a child when you she's really think child, about it. Yeah, which I didn't think of her when I was a teenager. I didn't think of her as a child because, you know, yeah. I didn't think of myself as a child. Yeah, exactly. But now we're watching them as adults and we're like, ooh, stranger danger, stranger danger. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing that this episode introduces um, is Shingo's friend Mika. Yes. Who I know pops up in, in future episodes. Um, I'm not entirely sure when. But I know she's in another episode. And it's kind of, again, it's nice to see that relationship that Shingo has. Like, it develops him more as a character. I know he's not a big part of this, but he is a part. And Mika's cute. Yeah, <laughs> he is cute. The role of the dynamic was cute. And then it also makes Shingo, we realize that he is quite a bit younger, I think. Because yeah. I think in the North American version, he's his like voice is a little bit like raspy and kind of deeper. Um, so it's like he's closer in age. But in this episode, it's almost like he's like he's in primary school. He's a little kid and he's just like picking up this weird hamster rabbit thing. So he seems a lot younger in the Japanese right. version. Let me look up to see how old he's supposed to be. I thought he was supposed to be about eight. Doesn't actually. Oh, he says age is 10 to 12. So I guess 10 ish. 10 by this point. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I would probably have pegged him as a little younger. Anyway, (laughs) what did you think of the Chanelas? They were creepy. I think it's with the red eyes, right? Yeah, who thinks so? Who wants? Who looks at a glowing buddy thing with menacing red eyes and goes, "This is cute. I want one." Well, they're hypnotized. So maybe Jed, should I warn Brent? So you bring home a demon pet. He knows I would come home with a demon pet if I had a chance. (laughs) (laughs) But like like, hamster bunny demons, (laughs) and they apparently smell really good. Yeah, see, okay, I didn't put this together originally until, like, halfway through the episode. I'm like, Chanel? Chanella? Is the perfume pet store? Ah? Ah, I did not make that connection. Oh, good, I'm glad I wasn't (laughs) the only one, because I was watching it with Karina, and she was like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) I can't Mm -hmm. be the only one who didn't get this. (laughs) No, not get that at all. And I love how zero red flags were raised when they were like, yeah, they don't. They smell like perfume. You don't need to feed them. And I'm like, uh, is it alive? <laughs> is it a pet? Is it a plant? But yeah. also, like, the pet store lady's like, oh, you can't afford one? Just take it anyways. That was the person. Like, how did that not raise red flags? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Inattentive parenting. For free. <laughs> I would think that if I lived in Juban, the district where Sailor Moon takes place, if there was anything that was, like, exorbitantly priced and severely discounted or free, I would stay away. <laughs> For sure. I mean, you should do that now. Yeah. It means that something is going to get you. 
Although you realize that I feel like most of the time these people are brainwashed to forget. We makes you wonder how many of these people have had their like brains wiped many de- multiple times. Oh, <laughs> it's like every men time. in black. <laughs> Did you use that blinky thing on me? <laughs> yeah, every time that Jedi comes up with a plan, you're they're wiping the memories of everyone. <laughs> but they're apparently really good at that because they wipe the memories of the Sailor Scouts before sending them to Earth, right? Yes. Yeah. How did that work, though? They were also reborn. That, that part I've never really actually understood. Uh, and then they look exactly the same. I mean, I feel like there's some, some weird logic there Like we're just supposed to ignore. Yeah, magic. <laughs> yeah, magic. I mean, you don't ignore it. You embrace it. <laughs> the magic. Hi, Betty. So, so this is also the first episode where uh, the Moon Princess is mentioned. So up until this point, I guess Usagi had no idea why she was fighting. Yeah, and then when you cut this episode out, the first time we hear about the Moon Princess again would be the episode with um, Sailor Mercury. So that's a little bit off. Yeah, and. And that becomes more of the focus, right? It's like fighting the bad guys versus looking for the moon princess. Yeah. Also, I love that she calls it the moon pudding. Yeah. Delicious, right? And exactly why we should call this show Sailor Snacking, because that's all she's thinking about. It's love maybe, and snacks. Maybe we should have called it moon pudding. <laughs> oh, well, too late now. We're already we're already too far in. <laughs> when did she? When did they start looking for the crystal? Later on, it's after they have three of them, right? Yeah, um, it might even be after they have all of them. I think it's after they have all of them. No, because Lita Lita comes in during an episode where they find one of the shards. Um, Oh, the rainbow crystal? Yeah, the rainbow crystal. Whatever, I'm still used to the American names. That's okay, we we go back and forth a lot. Actually, I I could not remember uh, Nehru's name until they said it. I was like, I just called her Molly in my head. Yeah. It's the problem of, of watching this in, in English first. Yeah. It took me a while to, to switch over to the Japanese names. Uh, and now I sometimes don't remember. Yeah. Any final thoughts on episode five before we move on to the snack, I think? I liked it. I did like this episode, too. And, like, for all the reasons that we mentioned... Um, I don't, again, don't see, they could have worked around it so that they didn't have to completely cut it. Oh, the one other thing I wanted to remark on. Uh, This is the first episode, again, where the villain is not just like a shadowy, scary thing. It's more themed. So we've got, according to uh, this website, is Iguara is the name of the monster. And, you know, we finally have a monster that is themed to the pet shop episode, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I thought it would be more interesting if it was actually like a Janela type looking thing. But I mean, a lizard, I guess, is still a pet. Yeah, they're getting closer. I mean, they were still monstery, but it's a little bit more thematic. The next episode is like they're just like, forget it. We're not going. We're not going uh, shadow monster anymore. We're going full out to full out villain. Monster. Yeah, <laughs> I like the monster in the next episode. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that like was episode five. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead, Michelle. I was gonna say I liked that the I, I thought I, I laughed at the fact that the monster in full lizard form still had the red hair. Yeah. Yes, that was good. Like she can't lose her hair. That's how you tell anyone apart in an anime, right? Yeah. Oh. And I loved that her weak spot was the the base of her tail. I was like, I was watching this Karina, and I was like, yeah, that's my weak spot too. My sore back because I'm an old person now. <laughs> if you want to knock me down just hit me right in the small of the back where my yep. tail would be <laughs> alright so that was episode 5 Scent of a Monster Chanella will steal your love and now we'll have our snack break take it away Tracy alright so as I mentioned earlier in the episode these are green tea cakes I've never actually had them before but they yeah, look me neither they look really good. I've made myself a cup of um, green tea from David's Tea. It's called horchata. A little mm. bit of milk. I thought that that would be a nice pairing. Um, I have a glass of water because I figured if it doesn't taste good, I'm going to want to drink it. Yeah. I mean, they look a little... 
Here's the ASMR part. While we open the little package. Mm-hmm. They look like big Newtons. Yeah, kind of. They're about they the... They smell like cheese. A little bit bigger. Yeah, they do. This does smell cheese like in this? a little bit of cheese. No. Well, I don't okay. know. I can't read the instructions. I mean, not oh. the instructions, the ingredients. <laughs> I'm lactose intolerant, so if there's cheese in this, I'll find out soon. Okay. <laughs> smells like cheese. All right. Hmm. They're really powdery, like dry. Yeah, they are pretty dry, but I think that's a characteristic of like a tea cake because you're going to be drinking tea with it. Yeah, I maybe should have made some tea. Mm. My tea's like not not hot anymore, but it's okay. So, I mean, like, so there's like this, um, it's almost like a crust that is kind of like the big Newton type crust, except mm-hmm. a little dry. And then on the inside, it's got like a, I guess like a green tea flavored cake filling. It's not terrible, but I don't think I would go out and buy this. No, I don't think I would eat them again. It's not really <laughs> my my cup of tea. Wah, wah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, you know, due to pandemics and such, uh, we were not able to get the snack to Michelle. But you've had these before, haven't you, Michelle? I have. What did you think of them? I, uh, I don't know if I've had that brand, but I remember when I had them, I found them a little dry. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's like... If you have a coffee cake, it's coffee cakes aren't usually they're very crumbly. They are dry, and you have them with coffee, right? So yeah. I'm assuming that's the characteristics of a tea cake are kind of similar. Except these are kind of yeah. um, much harder than I think um, mm. like a coffee cake would be. Um, kind of perfumey too, which yeah, goes in well with the Chanelas. <laughs> oh yes, very on point with the theme. <laughs> I'm going to make Brent eat one later. Yeah, well, we we got a whole box. (laughs) His reaction to eating the mochi was the best. You would have thought I would have poisoned him. Really? Yeah. (laughs) He he said it tasted like Play-Doh. Yeah, so the mochi's from our first episode, which we defined as like balls of Play-Doh with filling inside. Uh But he just popped the whole thing in his mouth. I said you're supposed to bite it. I think I could skip eating that. Actually, I think I like the mochi better than this. <laughs> I think so, too, what, but I really like mochi. What did so, you have last week? Oh, we made pancakes. Mm-hmm. They so were the, the best. Ingredients yeah. have um, green tea paste, maltose, sugar, palm oil, soybean oil, green tea powder, salt, green tea flavor, um, wheat, flour, vegetable oil, Egg, sugar, fructose, milk powder, salt, artificial flavor, beta carotene, sodium bicarbonate. Um, yep, and that's the ingredient list. So oh, why sorry. does it smell like cheese? <laughs> I have no idea. It's probably the milk powder and the sodium bicarbonate. Maybe. I'm thinking. Yeah. So if we're going to keep ranking our snacks, mm-hmm. pancakes are still number one. Yep. Uh, mochi is now number two. And these are number three. Yes. We're going to have to start writing this down because I'm not going to remember in the future. I will. I love snacks. (laughs) It's, you know, it's what I live for. (laughs) Hence the theme of this podcast. (laughs) Yes. It's a good theme. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was the snack portion of it. Yeah. Moving on to episode six. Yeah, we just, we just keep things motoring here on Sailor Snacking. <laughs> All right, so episode six, Protect the Melody of Love, Usagi Plays Cupid. So this one, again, was not part of Deke's English dub, uh, and it aired in Japan uh, April 1992, uh, same month and year as the one we just did, because this is the next one. Uh, and the basic overview of this one is that Usagi meets a musician who's being chased by a monster. I found this episode kind of boring. <laughs> I really liked this episode. Yeah. I thought it was, yeah. I mean, okay, so for me, like, up until this point, she's only been saving, like, people she actually knows. So she knows, like, her brother and her friends and her teacher. So That's this was, like, the first person who's, like, she is saving someone that she really doesn't know. So she knows him because he's a 
popular musician, a Naru's favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's really a stranger. And what she's really defending in this episode is love, right? So this um, musician, Yusuke Amade, is like a jazz musician. And he's in love. And he is... Um, and so Usagi is trying to help him um, win his love in this episode. So I thought this was like really important because this is the first time she is again saving someone she doesn't know and she's upholding that love and justice that she believes in. That's true. Was it just me or was he not playing jazz the whole time? I don't he was know. Playing I, classical music. It like, seems like classical music, like the people who made this show don't know what jazz music is. Yeah. It's okay. Or maybe it's a, like a subtitle translation error. Oh, maybe. Because I was watching, again, again, I was watching this with Karina. And uh, for some reason, we couldn't get her uh, audio to work. Like, she couldn't, she could hear me, but she couldn't hear the episode. So I, she could read the subtitles, but I was describing the sounds. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they're listening to a CD of some nice classical music. And then Naro's like, I like jazz. And I'm like, okay, apparently it's jazz. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when I was watching it, I was like, Naru, do you know what jazz is? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. This one also didn't have tuxedo mask, did it? No. And so I really, like, I loved that about this episode, too, because um, he doesn't come to save her, and she's also a lot smarter than we thought. Okay, so um, when they start the fight scene... She gets the musician wrong, so she forgets that Bach is the father of music. But that's fine, because... I'm impressed she knows that who Bach and Haydn are. Right? I mean, like, that's that's good enough, I think. But what, a, what uh, I think is we see her thinking really quickly um, in this episode. So the monster, who looks like a weird bat thing, is, like, shooting sound waves at her, and... She deflects the sound back by throwing a microphone. So, like, she really thinks on her feet. And I didn't expect that from her being, like, the ditzy um, kind of person that she portrays. But she really is a problem solver. That's true. Uh, Michelle, what did you think of this episode? I liked it. I didn't like it such as the previous episode. But, again, I like that we get to see more of her. I feel like... They did a disservice by cutting some of these episodes. Mm-hmm. Because you get kind of her, as I said, it's giving, you know, the originally giving her this many episodes, giving her seven episodes on her own is actually a really good idea. Yeah, because then you really get to see the beginning of her development into a superhero. And like, like uh, Tracy was saying, this episode in particular really kind of shows that she's starting to get it. Although I'm personally offended that all these evil monsters have red hair. <laughs> <laughs> but Naru has red hair and she's not a monster. I know, but she doesn't have the dark red hair. And I was looking at this and I was like, I feel like personally offended by this. <laughs> uh, I don't worry. I'm pretty sure it's not a, a slight against you. <laughs> no, I know. It's just one of those things like, huh, apparently I'd make a good anime villain. Yeah, you would. <laughs> and you know what? There's nothing wrong with being an anime villain. No. That is true. I Queen mean, Daryl, I think, is one of my favorite characters of all time. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I like Queen Meryl. Yeah. So I think they're all kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah, there's always, there's, I mean, there's easier ways that they could go about doing things. But, I mean, Queen Beryl, it doesn't really, she doesn't seem to take an active role in what her generals are doing. She's just like, get me energy. I don't care how, just do it. I think that's really... The generals are doing very convoluted plots. (laughs) Yes. I think that's really good. She's not a micromanager, right? She just... (laughs) She knows what the end goal is. She lets them know. So she's like, this is the strategic plan, guys. It's get the energy. (laughs) And you come up with the business plan to get it. (laughs) Uh, Tracy, I think management's going to your brain. (laughs) I'm always thinking about it. <laughs> always thinking about it. But, yeah, I mean, again, I'm not sure why this episode was cut other than the same reason that we thought maybe the other one was, was because there's just too many episodes of Just Usagi. Uh, because this one didn't, like, while I was watching it, there wasn't really anything that stood out that would make 
the censors go, ooh, they can't see that. Other than maybe Usagi going into a club, but she was disguised and she didn't order any alcohol. I mean, there's later episodes where she gets flat out drunk. Yes. And they weren't cut. <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah. I really like when she transforms herself into, what does she call it? But she, she A trans- gorgeous musician, I think. A gorgeous musician. And yeah. she gets like this long green hair and she's wearing this crop top. And then she goes into the bar and the bartender's like, well, you have. And she's like, uh, was it like a root beer float or like a yeah. cream? Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's like, we don't sell those. She's like, then I don't want anything. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny. Um, and, but I can't see why that would be cut from. from yeah, because the they use the transformation pen in other episodes of her transforming herself into an older. Yeah. So this one I'm not sure either. Huh. Uh, I, I, I kind of this transformation pen when they because they kind of drop it after the first season. Yeah, which is annoying because I love the transformation pen. <laughs> yeah, you think if you have a secret pen that turns you to whatever you want, you use it all the time. Uh, yeah, I totally would. <laughs> For sure. Like anytime I found a pink pen when I was a kid, I was like, maybe it's the transformation pen. I wanted I, one so badly. I have the Proplica one. <laughs> it doesn't actually make you transform. I tried. Because, <laughs> like, to just not have to do my hair in the morning and then have it look different every day is, like, a dream. <laughs> you would be like, moon disguise power, change me into somebody with a decent haircut. <laughs> Which oh, is God, a yeah. thing right now because everyone's quarantined and we can't go... To the hairdresser for anything. I'm gonna be Sailor Mars by the end of this because my hair's <laughs> gonna get so long. Oh, we're gonna have to make costumes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right now I think this episode is a little dated because they're using cassettes. Um, <gasps> yes, Which and I there's thought... like old TVs. But I'm like, in 1995 when this episode would have aired, those were still around, right? Yeah. Yes, they were. Um, and I thought that that was really interesting as well. Like, she's like harnessing the power from this cassette tape. I'm like, ah, people don't even know what those are anymore. Yeah, Michelle, if you watch this with your daughter, you're going to have some explaining to do. Because she's going to be like, what's that? I am, because, uh, it's funny, because we, we went to Cleveland years ago, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but just in Cleveland, I bought my son a t-shirt at Target that had rock and roll with a cassette on it, and then we bought it because there's no way he would ever know what it was, so my husband and I thought it was so funny. <laughs> so, and I still have that shirt, it's in, the baby, it's in their baby boxes, tucked away, but because that was one of the ones I was like, oh, I have to keep this one. That's cute. <laughs> Yeah. So that when, you know, they're older and they go through their baby boxes, they'll still won't know what it is. They won't. They will have no idea. I actually have one of those, like, 1990s kids things saved. I keep needing to look for with Alex. Like, these are all the things that you have no idea that your parents choose to use daily. <laughs> like, uh, a, like a floppy disk. Yeah. Why did somebody 3D print a save the save icon? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that's kind of the neat part of watching it because it is very 90s, right? You go back and you. Well, even the episodes where, you know, Usagi's using the phone and she's using a landline, like they don't have cell phones. They're just talking on landlines, right? So. Oh, which is totally, using... yeah, what I did in the 90s. Yeah. The computers that they show are like giant boxes and they don't use them all the time. So it's really interesting. <laughs> Yes, it's very different than our, than our current reality of you know, where, where my uh, three-year-old can, or, can operate a smartphone. Oh, yeah. I just had a conversation with my niece and nephew um, through Facebook Messenger. And it's, I use the word conversation loosely because all we do is change the, the filters so that we have funny faces. But, yeah, like they can use that no problem. They're, like, sending me pictures and sending me all this stuff. And they're just, like, it's second nature to them. My kids I, wonder, I just wonder what, so let's say if like Sailor Moon was new today, what kind of um, technology would the bad guys be using to harness their energy? For sure, I think they would be using Snapchat filters, 100%. Like oh, yeah. when you use like the heart eyes 
um, Snapchat filter, then it harnesses your energy. <laughs> it sucks your energy, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Jedi would have a hard time doing some of these plots uh, nowadays. Or he would just, like, make a gimmicky website and then, like, advertise it on Instagram. And then when you click on it, not only does it steal your money and credit card info, but it also <laughs> steals your energy. <laughs> Double whammy! <laughs> Now, this is two ways where I would go about doing this. It's like, if I was going to redo it, I would either do Jedi coming up with modern plans like that to steal energy, or it would be Jedi doing the same plans he's doing now and them not working. <laughs> yeah, like the radio station episode. Um, like, we what's covered. Radio? like, what's a radio station? <laughs> Jedi's just frustrated because he's like, I've got this great idea. We're going to have this radio contest. And then he does it. And everybody, it, nothing happens because every nobody listens to the radio. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, he'd have to do like a Twitch stream or something. And and he'd the sailors gets themselves would be talking on like video chat. Yeah. They'd probably be much more effective if they could just you know. <laughs> if they yeah, if they were able to like use their smartphones to like communicate with each other. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I feel like we're ruining Sailor Moon. <laughs> well, it's a different time, right? But it's kind of neat, though. Remember when things were simpler in a way. But I'm like, my precious childhood. I know, I mean, but I would still totally watch it if they did that. <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be really awesome if they modernized it. Yeah. As, as okay. like, for fun, maybe like a season. What would this look like? <laughs> well, let's pitch a, a, a script to Viz Media and maybe we can become famous for modernizing Sailor Moon for now. Yeah. <laughs> my theory on all these uh, uh, retakes like that is it doesn't have to necessarily be mine. It won't replace my version. Yeah. New generations no. are always coming. As soon as I said that, I was like, oh, I get it. But I don't agree still, because, I mean, it wouldn't ruin this version. It would still exist. But I'm like, oh, that's why people complain about their child being ruined. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when they remake movies these days. I guess it doesn't really affect me unless it's Sailor Moon. Because, I mean, they remade Shira, which I watched a lot as a child. And I love the redo of Shira. They remade My Little Pony, which I watched as a child. And I love the remake of My Little Pony. So it's like, hmm. Maybe I'd yeah. be okay with Shira or with uh, Sailor Moon. Yeah. I don't know. I think that'd be really interesting if they were to do that. Because they're, like, covering a lot of things from the 80s and 90s right now. What's not, what's to stop them from doing that to Sailor Moon? This is why we need to do it first and get all the money. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we went off on a huge tangent for this episode. Was there anything yeah. else you guys wanted to talk about? Um, so I wanted to, like, just mention at the end of the episode how, like, Usagi kind of teases Naru a little bit. Um, so she's like, oh, yeah, I know him. But she doesn't say how she knows him or anything like that. It's kind of like her little secret. Yeah. Um, how she knows uh, Usuke. Um, and she's also on the front cover of his latest album. So yeah. I think that that's really cute. She starts getting a little bit of recognition again because she's not just saving her friends. She's saving like everyone, right? Yeah, she's this episode and the last episode, we really see Sailor Moon not only getting a hang of being a superhero, but becoming famous for it like Shingo she, she introduces herself to Shingo and now Shingo idolizes Sailor Moon uh, now Sailor Moon has rescued this famous uh, quote unquote jazz musician <laughs> and she's getting more recognition for it and we see that coming up in later episodes too where uh, the people who Sailor Moon save thank her and recognize her in some way mm-hmm. I, I also, think that's... I'd also Sorry. like to come what you said about the end where her teasing Nehru about you know she knows him and she, she can't share because it's one of the things that I know that I like about these episodes that we is that we see Usagi's life kind of before Sailor Moon takes over. Because later on, Neru is barely a part of her life, and she's replaced with the other girls. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is kind of in some ways this is sort of the first step of them kind of of that slow distancing. That's with true. Usagi having something she can't share. Yeah, and then it becomes a whole world. Yeah, it's the first yeah. step away from from her normal, quote-unquote, normal life of being Usagi and her transition into being Sailor Moon. Uh, 
Yeah. Because she becomes much closer to the other girls and that the friendship of Naru sort of fades away as Yeah. She, be- she becomes best friends with the sailor skin. Yeah. It's also interesting that she starts getting this fame and then that leads into the next episode, which is called Usagi Learns Her Lesson, Becoming a Star is Hard Work. Yeah. Because she's starting to get more and more famous. I loved the mountain of TVs with all of Jedi's faces that he used to talk to his monster. Yes. I'm looking at the gallery now and I'm like, oh, these are some good screen caps. And again, I like that the monster uh, was now is now becoming more cartoony and less frightening. Like, still kind of scary, but not like a sh- evil shadow with teeth and glowing eyes. She's like an awesome vampiress. <laughs> But with like bat ears or something. Yeah, they don't, have a, they don't have a good shot of the villain in this in the screen caps on this website. Uh, She's kind of like a cross between like I don't know a green Mickey Mouse and Dracula. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm just looking at the trivia that they have at the bottom of this website. This episode features a slight adjustment to the season's opening sequence in part where Sailor Moon, Sailor Mercury, and Sailor Mars have appeared as veil-wrapped silhouettes against a moon backdrop. They now cast off the veils and reveal their Sailor Senshi forms to the viewers. I didn't notice that. I thought that that was the same in all the episodes. Yeah, I thought so too. I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. (laughs) That's it for trivia. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts about this episode? I think as a whole, these episodes were interesting. It's interesting they were cut because as I said, as we discussed, they really add so much to Usagi, not yeah, to and her yeah. journey. No tuxedo mask, no other senshi, just her and Luna figuring it out, which is arguably how it should have been from the get-go. Like, I don't think if they were going to introduce Tuxedo Mask, they probably shouldn't have done it until much, much later. Yeah. Like, after. She um, needs him in, like, the earlier episodes, right? Because she doesn't know what she's doing. Um, He does. He's there to be. He basically, he kind of gives her a pep talk to, you know, you can do it, kind of. Because she's completely over her head. Yeah. But I like that they have a few episodes where he steps back. And now that she has found her feet a little bit. So now he's stepping back so she can... And they kind of cut that out, kind of that out of the American thing. It just goes from her having tough to mass rescue her to her having the Sailor Scouts. Yeah. Right. And you don't see, of, like, her development of herself. Yeah. In her her own. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting that in the day-by-day Monster of the Week type episodes, yeah, it is Sailor Moon being rescued a fair bit. But the big endings of all of the seasons, it's Sailor Moon usually by herself saving everybody, which I love. Yeah, she's always the last survivor. Mm-hmm. The last one standing. It's because that moon tiara, that's that's like the real like KO. That's the knockout. Yeah. Right? They're not like aqua illusion or anything like that. It's like the tiara magic. That's She brings the heavy. She actually does because it's what really she has the finishing moves for all of them. Like it's the, it's the other senshi that kind of wear them down, I guess, and then they always go, now, Sailor Moon, and she's the one who delivers the final blow. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe I guess it just might just be that her uh, her style, her powers aren't designed to fight. They're designed to heal. Or destroy monsters. Yeah. Right. <laughs> she's got big finishers and, and mediocre uh, regular moves. Yeah, exactly. She's all about the finisher. <laughs> <laughs> right, any, chair. <laughs> any other final thoughts about these two episodes nope alright well we will wrap up this episode then so that has been episode 3 of Sailor Stacking and uh, we'll be back soon with uh, the next two episodes uh, I don't remember do I usually introduce what the next two episodes are <laughs> I think so, so okay. the next we- two episodes I mentioned one of them so that was um, Usagi learns her lesson becoming a star is hard work mm-hmm. and then we get the girl genius is a monster the brainwashing cram school of horror so we finally get Amy and Sailor Mercury popping in yes I like Sailor Mercury 
<laughs> I tell Mercury too. Yeah. Yeah. So those would be interesting. Um, and uh, we have Liz back as our special guest for the next episode, right? Right. Yeah. And the stack will be a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> right. So thank you very much for listening. Um, you can find, well, you hopefully have found Sailor Stacking through True North Nerds. You can uh, look at truenorthnerds.com to see more about what that podcast is doing. That's the other podcast I do with my husband, Brent, and two of our friends, Kevin and Ryan, who will be on this podcast soon. Um, so, yeah, you can check out truenorthnerds.com or listen to any episodes of True North Nerds for general nerdity. Uh, anything you guys want to plug? Nope. Nope. <laughs> awesome. So, thanks very much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Sailor Snacking, a True North Nerds production. Theme music, Open Road, can be found on purpleplanet.com. (laughs) 